Hey everybody, you're kicking it with the Homeboys and the Homeboys podcast where we talk everything in the world of real estate investing. Whether you're just getting started or you're a seasoned vet, we're going to give you over 40 years of combined real estate experience to help you on your investing journey. Today we are breaking down the year. This is going to be exciting. It has been a wild ride in the world of real estate. Probably the craziest Scotty and I have seen in our careers. We're going to break that down for you and also tell you where you need to be and maybe what you can expect going forward, even though we have no idea because it's so crazy. Speaking of crazy, I'm here with my buddy, Scott Adams. What's happening, partner? I'm excited to pull out our crystal ball here and and, uh, see what the future shall bring. It's, It's fun. We were talking about it before we came on air. Man, it's been nuts. And we've just been kind of breaking down where we were at in the beginning of the year, where it went over the summer, where it's at now, the world of mortgages, uh, pricing, everything. It's just, I mean, it's been so bananas. Um, I don't think we have enough time to get into all of it today. It's been so bananas, but we're going to try to do it. Yeah, it's a very, I would call it a confused market. All of the signals are, are some of them are, are counter, it's just confusing as could be. There's you know, a lack of supply still, but, but sales are down and the mortgage rates are back down again. So refinances were up, but obviously compared to a year ago, they're still down. It's just a very um, stormy market out there and a lot of uncertainties. And to start out with some of the good news, regardless of the market is most of our listeners and clients are long-term cash flow investors. So a lot of this stuff, it's just background noise to people like you and me. That's an excellent point to start out. It's, you know, when you're long-term, you know, some of the craziness does not matter. Although it still factors into the equation. Um, of and let's, let's, let's back it up. You know, here we are at the end of 2022. Let's go all the way back to the beginning of 2022. And let's even say beginning through summer, there was literally no inventory. Interest rates were, you know, in the twos. Mm-hmm. You know, people were buying um, owner-occupant real estate, you know, over list price at prices that homes wouldn't even appraise for, waiving inspections, Um you know, just stuff that we've never we've never seen. Insanity. You know, and people fighting, you know, over homes and you know going way above list price. And you know, it was in order to uh, to take advantage of these rates. And you know, we had never, I've never seen it in my career. And you know, you've only been in real estate a couple of years longer than I have. You haven't seen it either. Um, you know, what do you what do you think? Like. Well, it was unsustainable. No one was, I mean, at at the rates of appreciation that were happening, um, it was unsustainable because eventually no one would be able to afford a house. It was, you know, appreciating at such a a high, high high rate. Um, So something had to give. And, you know, it would have been uh, nice if it was just a, a, a little slowdown. But of course, the Fed and its infinite wisdom, you decided to throw in a bucket of cold water on it, which I get. I mean, 
first of all, rates should have never been at 2%. They should have never, never. been where they are. No. So never I'm, should have been south of 4%, in my right. opinion. So it's they needed to reverse direction. They needed to raise rates. Um, what that's done, it's sent a shockwave through the market. And to this day, you and I are still confused by the fact that people are hesitant at rates in the 6% range. <laughs> To, to acquire properties, especially the long-term cash flow investor, you know, that there's no reason to pause. We, you and I are full gas pedal still. Um, in fact, now is better than it was the summertime to buy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a little bit less um, competition in the market and the deals are out there a little more and cash flow is still unbelievably strong in single family residential rentals and in some of the multifamily projects that you and I do. So we're very bullish on, on buying on what's coming up. It's counter, it's almost counterintuitive, but when the market is amazing, um, cash flow investors need to be real careful and cautious. But when, when people start backing away, that's when you have to hit the, the gas. And I think we're at that point. It's, it's time for the gas pedal. If you're a, uh, a ca- long-term cash flow investor, or you want to own rentals and never have done it, now's the time to start looking and looking at building that portfolio. Yes, rates will be a little higher than they would have been six months ago, but you're going to have less competition. But I think it's important to note, and I saw I saw a study, I'm not sure where I saw it, it was earlier this week, where um, you, know, you go back 20, 25, 30 years, I'm not, not exactly sure what the what the study was, but we're actually at about average interest rates, right? You know, if, if you're going, if you're going back, you know, it's easy for people to say, "Oh my gosh," you know, it's can't buy a house now because of because of you know interest rates. But you know that that sticker shock of going up, you know, from two two and a half percent to you know six and a half, almost to seven percent. Um, you know, it's so hard for some people, but I think people have to have to realize that, you know, we're still not really, you know, above what is, you know, normal. There's there's two false pieces of information that are floating around as just accepted as if they're fact and they're not. The the first one is that interest rates are high and they're not at, at what they are, like you said. The second piece of information is that real estate has become too expensive um, in America. And I, I specifically, specifically say in America. Real estate has become too expensive in some markets in America, the most populated markets, the biggest cities. But in the Midwest and throughout middle America, Real estate is as affordable today as it was for your grandparents, for your parents, and for our generation. It simply is. If you just the cold hard facts, if you look at the average income compared to the average home price, it is just as affordable now to buy a home than it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, adjusted for inflation. Mm-hmm. It's just a fact. And because everyone's talking about these markets where these prices have gotten out of control, people just paint the entire country with that broad brush. And it's not true. There is not a problem of limited inventory. If someone wants to buy a home in middle America, anyone can. The average home price in our state is $150,000. The average, that's the median home price in our state. That is incredibly affordable, especially when you have average income of 70000 
And that's incredibly affordable still. So don't get caught up in the frenzy in some ways and be blinded to the truth. I'm surprised that the difference in interest rates hasn't affected the inventory more. You know, I feel like I've gotten that wrong. Like whenever, you know, in our discussions, I said, you know, here in Indianapolis that I expected um, there to be a pause in appreciation, if not go back, you know, even the other way a little bit in houses above 500,000. And, you know, my reasoning behind that was, you know, you have people that got used to 2% interest rates. And let's just say for number's sake, it went up to an even 7%, which is not that, but let's just say for our conversation, a 7%. You know, the 5% difference, um, you know, an interest rate on a payment, let's say of $500,000, is $25,000 a year, meaning that someone's payment has gone up over $2,000 a month. I thought that that difference in payment, and let's face it, we live in a very payment-driven society, was going to pause the more expensive you know, homes in our market and that we would see an increase um, in inventory and you know, some price adjustments possibly. But we really haven't. You know, so like here in Fishers, where our office is, in Fishers, Indiana, there's still hardly anything available on the market. You know, I'm currently helping my best friend right now, him and his wife, try to find a house. You know, and they're in that, uh, you know, in that 500 to a million, um, you know, price range. And there's just nothing, there's just not, hardly anything there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they, they had found a, you know, a house a month ago that you know, was a great option, but, you know, the it was pretty beat up you know we went in at you know full at full list price and asked for a small you know allowance for the flooring that these dogs have have torn up and you know we got our butts kicked mm-hmm. we didn't you know didn't get the house and you know we've been looking ever since and you know you just you just can't find anything so you know i'm i'm assuming you know i think that there was such a frenzy whenever it was at 2 there was a huge part of the marketplace that just said you know what I can't compete with this. They just went to the sidelines. And now a lot of those people that went to the sidelines during that climate are trying to, you know, dip their toe back in. And I'm talking more about home ownership, not uh, from investment. You know, we just haven't seen the inventory level and the demand is still high. Yeah. So there's some statistics that, again, we opened with how confusing the numbers and the statistics are out there, but inventory is down below four months. So meaning there's only four months of supply on the market, less than four months of supply on the market. And they say in a healthy market, it's four to seven months worth of inventory. So we have a lack of inventory still, despite all of this. The average days on market is under 30 days still. So homes are still selling in under 30 days. All of the numbers on that side look amazing, like the market's still hot as heck. Mm -hmm. But then you see that home sales themselves are down by 80% year over year. To today. So it's a really weird time. The numbers are just, they're all over the place. You look at one set of statistics that shows, yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's, it's still a healthy real estate market. There's not enough properties. Properties are selling quickly, but then you look at another and you're like, wow, sales are way down. So it's just a confusing time. And 
again, I feel like I have to go back to the thing that matters most, which is we analyze cash flowing assets mostly. You know, this is, we're talking across the board here at all types of real estate where the numbers are confusing. But at the end of the day, when you, when you and I look at a property for an investment side, on the investment side, we simply look at the purchase price and the returns we can get on it. Purchase price and how much rents it, it, it can bring in. And you have to factor in, you know, if you're going to leverage using a mortgage, uh, what, what that is. And, and that'll eat into the, the cash flow uh, significantly as rates go up. However, there's still unbelievable cash flow. There's out still there. great opportunity. You so, know, as far as investors go, I mean, you, you almost have to um, block out the fact that interest rates, you know, have, have went up, you know, four, you know, plus percent and just analyze the deal for what it is. Just because the interest rate rate went up 4% doesn't mean, oh, we should get out and not invest in real estate. Right. I mean, there are still plenty of opportunities that work at these interest rates. What, you, what else are you going to do? Sit on the sidelines and hope and pray, like you say, for the rates to come down, which we don't think will maybe ever happen, much less. Well, they may come down eventually a little. Um, but I don't think in our careers we're going to see them as low as we've no, seen. No, no. So if you're just waiting for rates, then you're going to miss out on all those years of a tenant paying down your mortgage, all those years of continued appreciation we're still seeing in the market. All of those aspects you're going to miss out on for just because you you got in your mind that two percent was was what rates sh- should be or were. You know that's part of the the hardest part of of investing is. Is having you got to have a short memory in a lot of ways. You have to just be able to focus on now. Here's the scenario. Here's what exists. What can we make work in in this? You adapt and you go with what the market gives you. And for long term cash flow investors, we're just seeing the the experienced ones just stay the course or even accelerate right now. Right. We just heard. We just came out of a meeting where one of the. Uh, People that you and I both looked up to, uh, who came, you know walked the walk before us and had success for decades before you and I got into the market, um, he'd been sitting on the sidelines. He's made enough money and he's getting up there in age to where he didn't doesn't have to work or do this. And we just found out he's back in the game. He just dove full back to- full back in because mm-hmm. he thinks now is as good a time as he's ever seen to get back in. And he's one that would know. I mean, he's right. he's he's been through a lot of market cycles, even more even more than us. Um, I think a lot of his motivations are because there was so much institutional demand, meaning um, hedge fund activity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these so-called Wall Street landlords coming to markets like Indianapolis and other you know popular investment markets across the country. Um, and we have seen a lot of that institutional money go to the sidelines. We have. Yeah. And, um, for, for good, good reasons. I mean, they, they drove the prices up all across America. And like I said, it's still affordable in many markets, but nonetheless, it, it rocked investors back, small investors like our clients who own, you know, one to five rental properties. It knocked them back a bit because suddenly, it uh, it drove prices up by as fifty percent in our market right. know, on on good investment rental properties and and I don't know it, I, I mean I don't have a crystal ball like we said at the beginning but I worry about those hedge funds their portfolios 
You know, I don't know how some of them can work. They just, the numbers on paper don't work for a small investor. So how does it work for an institutional investor? You know, I mean, they're just charging fees on other people's money, basically, in my opinion. There's, there's some, there's some real gross grossness to it. Well, they were paying so much money. Like we, you know, they, we were in such competition with them trying to, trying to purchase homes and, you know, how willing they were to spend, uh, call it 20% more than what we were, you know, willing to pay for homes. Um, and I think you're right. I mean, there's a lot of greed that went in that. There's lots of point people on the ground that are getting paid for acquisitions and different things that, uh, you know, if there was any pullback in the market, I mean, some of these, this institutional money, I mean, there's, they're in a bad spot. Mm-hmm. For sure. They're I mean, not poised for any kind yeah. of pullback in the market. I mean, just think, six months ago, the news was things like, uh, Zillow will buy your house. You just enter the info on their little portal, and they'll send you a cash offer. Right. You know, offer, that, pa- offer pad yeah. was really blowing up, where you just... You could sell your house over the internet without anyone ever coming and seeing it. Almost now, Zillow's out. They're not right. doing. They're not doing that. Yeah, um, I don't hear as much from OfferPad, even though I know that that still, you know, right. exists. Yeah, it's it was a, a very strange time, and it drove more conservative, normal investors out because there was institutional. I call it stupid money because it's not their money. You can always tell. Um, you and I get a kick out of it anytime we're at an auction or, or competing. You can always tell if you're up against institutional money or someone who is using other people's money. Oh, they totally. act different. Correct. They don't care as much about no. the money versus when it's you or I and it's our money. Every penny matters. And so that 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 hurt that hurt a lot of buying opportunities for small time investors. And again, though. There's amazing deals out there all over the country. We really encourage you to, if you've ever wanted to own rental properties or if you own some and kind of took a pause or are unsure because of the mixed signals in the market, just take a step back and think to yourself, okay, what are the numbers? You got to focus on the numbers. That's it. Meaning purchase price to rent. How much cash flow can you get? That is all that really matters at the end of the day. The value of the property is just a number on a piece of paper because I'm not looking to sell any of my stuff. I look at the returns. My tenant is paying down my debt on my properties. My home is appreciating. At the end of the day, you just stay the course. And if you're not in, who knows what's to come and if the opportunity will even be there. What if rates go to... 9%. 9%. What if inflation does not get get tamped down the way the Fed thinks and rates go to 10% and there's still a lack of inventory and prices continue to go up? You know, there's that's a scenario that actually could exist as, as counterintuitive as it is. There's so many mixed signals in this market. If that were to happen, you're out. Right. You're out. You can't buy in that kind of a market. The returns won't be there. So when the returns are there, we buy. When the returns aren't there, we don't. I mean, it's basically Warren Buffett value investing and and focusing on the returns. It's right. really simple. You got to ignore ignore the white noise and all the chaos and stay focused. So, but with institutional money kind of going to the sidelines. You know, like we've seen 
I think that that could pose an interesting opportunity for folks because what we saw with all the, the competition, with owner-occupants and then institutional money, the only way we could find deals was to go to homes that needed massive rehabs. Because it was very difficult for us to compete against a homeowner in the, you know, our investment niche is 125 to 250, call it. Mm-hmm. And you had a lot of owner-occupants. But then you had the institutional, you know, money that was bidding up, you know, homes that needed light rehabs. So we were stuck buying homes that needed massive Massive rehabs. With a lot of the owner-occupants in that price range getting out and buying when interest rates were in the twos, and then with the institutional money being on the sidelines, I think we are seeing in our own personal um, you know, purchases that we're getting some properties that are actually a great value because they're not as in need of rehab. Yeah, good point. We weren't seeing those. They were getting snatched up so quickly by homeowners and institutional money that, you know, there, there's it. just overall, there's going to be a lot more opportunities. That's just one example of it. But when... Um, I don't know. People, I'm getting pretty sick and tired of seeing these rehab numbers come in. dollars rehab. You know, like, it's getting old. Yeah. You know, we're... You could buy you know, a house for what we spend on some right. of these rehabs. You know, We had rehabs, you know, 10 years ago that would take us two weeks, and yeah. now we've got rehabs that take us three months. Right. You know, it's... But that's what the market dictates, and I think that's an important point. You, you evolve or you die. You know, you don't just go to the sidelines or crawl in a hole and not do anything. Uh, I'm actually excited about, you know, what the future future brings. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be as big of a drop-off as I, as I initially had thought. I thought that the rates going up, and you, you heard me talk about it a lot. I talked about it on this show a lot, that with rates you know, jumping up 4 or 5%, you know, it was going to change things massively. I don't think it has. You know, we're, we're still not back to what I refer to as a normal market. Well, you and I are so doom and gloom, um, and it's uh, I, I guess it's kind of interesting. Here's some behind the scenes. I walked into your office yesterday, and I said, I said, I don't know that there's going to be a recession like we both thought. And you said, yeah, I can see why you've, you think that now. And keep in mind, we are pessimists. You know, we, we, think of, we think the worst usually, generally, you and I do. And oh, I'm a glass half empty. You, yeah. You know, I'm I, a little whiny, it, right. you know. It serves us well, though. Yeah. It keeps us out of trouble, and um, and so I think that there's there's a real possibility that um, it's going to be unaffordable at some point for for rentals for long term holds. There, that's a real possibility. So I don't want to miss out. So I'm we're hitting the gas pedal. And the other the other here's a little tip too. If you want to own rental properties and you have to move right now. Do not sell the, your current home. Find a way to get a small down payment for your next house without selling your current house, especially if you have a 2% mortgage on it, and turn it into a rental. You already own it. It's the easiest way to get into rental properties is to just turn the homes. Imagine if every home you ever owned, you just kept, and you moved a tenant into it, and they basically paid the mortgage off for you, plus cash flow along the way. And you don't have to be an expert. There's property management companies all over the nation that can manage it for you and do all the work for you. 
And if you're moving out of state, it does not matter. There's property management companies that will handle it all for you and send you that mailbox money every month after month. You know, so do not sell a 2% house. You know, don't sell a house that you have a 2% mortgage on. You know, this, that would be a shame. You know, a lot of our clients aren't like their, their full-time day job isn't, you know, real estate. A lot of our clients, you know, they have other careers and, you know, this is their side gig and we help them facilitate that. But there's been a lot of people, a lot of people that have jumped into, um, you know, the, the being employed by real estate, you know, whether it's being a, a real estate agent, whether it's being a mortgage broker, um, you name it, you know, going into new home sales, you know, it just within my sphere of influence is bananas. Like I, how many people that used to be, you know, personal trainers or teachers, or, you know, this is just within my sphere of influence that are now, you know, in the real estate, you know, world, as far as employment, I do believe that, and I don't know that, that there's any way that, or anyone that tracks this, that there's going to be a lot of people exiting the real estate world as far as being employed, like real estate agents, mortgage brokers. I ran into a good friend of mine. Well, how can they not when there's 80% less sales mm-hmm. this month than there were in November of the year before? It's interesting you say that number. That's, that's where I'm, the number I was getting ready to say, like a good friend of mine, I was leaving the gym the other day and he's like, yeah, man, I'm down like 80%. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, where, where I was at, he'll be fine because he's a, you know, high production real estate agent. Right. And, you know, he, he's just not going to be making the, the giant money that he's been making. But, you know, even if you were a real estate agent experiencing, you know, average production or slightly below average production, it's going to be hard. For sure. Yeah, realtors are about to have it hard. You know, it's these are these are mixed signals and the sales volume is down and it's a it's a strange time, but again, I always take it back to what our focus is, which is long-term cash flowing assets and it's as good as a time for any. You can take some of the, all that noise out and you know, if you have a different career and you still want to own cash flowing assets, then now's the time to do it. I had lunch with a friend yesterday who's kind of tired of his corporate job and just wanted to kind of see if I had any ideas because he's uh, he's tinkered with real estate a little bit, meaning he he bought a fixer upper and moved his family into it, did the work. He's he's like you. He he knows enough to be he's like you when you were younger, enough to be dangerous. You know, he knows enough about real estate to be dangerous. And um, I've forgotten enough now to be exceptionally dangerous. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> but, get it. but he he asked me for my advice and my advice was to keep working in corporate America and buy cash flowing assets with because you're a high income earner and you just build a portfolio of 10 and you'll be a millionaire. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple formula. It doesn't take a genius or, or, I mean, it's really truly that simple. If you're a high income earner, um, keep doing your 401k and all of those things, but make sure you have real estate in your portfolio. And it's never been easier. There's turnkey companies all over the nation that do it for you. Just like somebody handles your 401k, there are people that handle this for you. And all you have to do is a small down payment, get a mortgage on the rest, which 
That's one of the beautiful things about real estate. It's one of the easiest things to leverage. You don't have to use much of your own money. You use the bank's money, and then you have the tenant pay that off for you. And before you know it, you're a multimillionaire. You know, if you, you can get 10 Fannie Mae mortgages. There's no reason any high-income earner shouldn't... Every in, high-income earner should own at least 10 rentals. They should have 10 Fannie Mae mortgages on 10 rentals, minimum. Minimum. It's, it's, there's, there's no reason not to. If you have $25,000 times 10, meaning $25,000 for down payments on all 10 of those, then you're out of your mind if you don't do it. Oh, that, that $25,000, you know, for each house, you know, turns into a value of 250 plus. We see time, it. You know, and we do see it. And, you know, it's, uh, it's not a get rich quick overnight, but it is more the set it and forget it mentality. You know, it's amazing what 10 to 15 years will do for a portfolio of, this, let's just say, 10 you know, you you end up with with ten homes that are completely paid off, and you don't you don't even sell them at that point because then you're just making giant income, right. you know, off of those houses. It's such, you know, a powerful controlled investment, and control I think is the is the most important word that I can say, because you know, you go put uh, you know a hundred thousand dollars into the stock market or any other type of investment. You know, you have almost zero control over right. over what happens. You know, and a lot of times, you know, it, it moves up and down, not based off of whether or not it's profitable or not, but what's going on in the world. Uh, you know, real estate is such an amazing vehicle that you know a few good decisions, I mean, can set you up for generational you know wealth. And I right. I totally agree. You know, so today I think. You know, our, our, our point for the real estate investors is, you know, we could sum it up really quickly. Get in. Get in. You know, there, mm-hmm. just because interest rates have changed doesn't mean that there's still not phenomenal deals out there. And, you know, run the numbers. You know, I, I think that uh, that's the best advice that I could give to real estate investors on the investment side. You know, get in. I couldn't agree more. You know, we have example after example of clients who have bought houses from us over the last 20 plus years who have bought it with minimal down payment. Um, houses historically outpace inflation, so they're inflation protected, plus they're paying it off with inflation adjusted dollars. The tenant's paying it off for you. You have the appreciation. And before you know it, you have literally millions of dollars that only took the small down payment to get. We see it time after time on our, our TikTok you know, page that we do. We show example after example after example of past properties and what clients paid, how much they put down, and how much that's turned into. And it's easy to become a millionaire. It's easy to become a millionaire it through is real estate. It's easy. You just have to go out and be willing to get those... Fannie Mae mortgages and try it and do it. And other people do all the work for you. You don't even have to do anything. That's the beauty of it. The thing that drives me nuts though, like on some of the social media platforms like TikTok and, you know, Instagram and some of these, you know, the, the, the biggest pushback is like, Oh yeah. And it only took you 15 years to do it. Yeah. So what? Right. You know, that's not that big a deal. You know, I talk about it all the time. The dip, you know, you do it when you're 25 
And then you're you're set financially at forty, right? And there's cash flow yeah. along the way. There's cash you, flow along the way. You know, you want it, it's a dividend along the way. I you, never sell off a of cash flow. Either, you know, a yeah, lot of people yeah. love to say, "Oh, well, the cash flow, the cash flow, the cash flow." You know, I'm more about debt service, right? You know, and and, and enhancing your equity position in your portfolio. But cash flow increases over time on real estate. So your mortgage is a set amount. It's set. Let's say it's a hundred thousand dollar house. Your mortgage payment's six hundred dollars a month. Well, rents go up and up and up, and your payment stays at six hundred. So not only do you make cash flow on day one when you buy a turnkey property, but it's increasing cash flow. It literally increases. And the way that mortgages work is you pay down more principal the you know the longer you're in that mortgage. So that's accelerating too. Your debt service gets accelerated. So you have accelerated cash flow, accelerated debt payment, and appreciation. It's an unbelievable way for your money to go work for you. These houses are out there doing the work for you. The concept of compounding interest is amazing. It's it's something that everyone should truly understand. But the concept of your money working for you on top of just compounding interest and the and the different ways that real estate can benefit your financial picture it's unbelievable so we we've, we've broken down what like our kind of year in review for real estate investors we've also talked about um, you know your your primary residence what would your advice be to people out there that are looking for a primary residence you know, I mean, you, you, I changed my perspective on primary residences because of you. Um, you plant your flag in what you want. You buy what you want. You know, you should live below your means. I've, I strongly believe in that. But otherwise, I don't know. I, I hate to make a cold financial decision over the home that I'm going to live with in my family. So for me, I'm, I'm, you buy what you want. Just make sure it's below your means. And who cares? You know, it's for you and your family. That's what's important in life. Who cares about the money aspect in a way? But again, just stay within your means. It's, there's no reason to get, get yourself stretched. It's, it, life, you don't need that added stress. There's no reason. Where do you think inventory levels are going? I don't know. You know, I mean, who's going to sell a 2% house? Who, who's going to, I'm not going to sell my house. I have a 2% mortgage. I'm not going to, I wouldn't, wouldn't sell my house to go buy a 6% house. It's crazy. So I don't know that inventory comes back very quickly. I don't know. I mean, and the home builders, they've just went through a, a, a crazy building phase and that's a very cyclical right. you know, market also. But new builds are down. I, I looked at those correct. start numbers. Um, they're down. So I don't know. I mean, inventory looks like it's not going to get back to healthy levels despite all of this, which again gives me this I this thought that oh my gosh, there's not going to be a recession. You know, but again, it's the there's mixed numbers all over the place. It's really hard to to predict right now what what happens. But again, I don't really care in a lot of ways because I'm not selling my primary house. You're not selling your primary house. Mm-hmm. We're buying cash flowing assets. The rest of it is background noise. What, uh, how are you closing out this year? Closing out this year with my family and trying not to think too much about money or anything else. It's well said. We're, we're closing down the year. It's been a, it's been a wild ride of real estate this year. It's been, 
um, truly unlike anything that I've seen in my 20-plus year real estate career. But um, I'm very grateful for all the opportunities that have been given to us. And, you know, I, I think it's important to kind of give a plug out there also that uh, the homeboys are very gracious for um, all the listeners that we've acquired this year. Yeah. And, you know, that we love, you know, given our 40-plus um, years of real estate ex- expertise combined to, to – to the masses and the reception that we've got has been pretty remarkable. Yeah. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Happy new year. Um, we really hope next year becomes your year for real estate success. I'm going to lose 35 pounds this next year. Yeah, You're going to see a, a smaller, smaller Clint Weatherill in 2023. I, I hope there's two smaller homeboys on the screen next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not starting that New Year's resolution just yet. I've got. To, I've got some smoked ham and some smoked turkey. You got some and eating some to do stuff. I've got to get through, you know, this holiday season. But I'm like you, man. I'm very excited to to spend some time with family. We got some cold weather coming later this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be good to set in. But uh, but anyhow, uh, that is our show. If you made it this far, we'd really appreciate it if you leave us a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It really helps us to grow our podcast and reach as many people as we can to help them understand the wild world of real estate investing. You can also find some short form content on TikTok. Our TikTok is at the Homeboys Podcast, where you can learn even more about the power of real estate. That is our review of the wild world of real estate for 2022. We've really enjoyed having you along with us for this crazy ride. We can't wait to keep bringing this to you. Keep following the homeboys. Till next time, happy investing.